The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast, episode 44. Yeah, that's right. We're four episodes through a new year and still nobody's fired us. And, and, and wait, tonight we have John Russell from Warlord actually on the podcast again. I mean, you would think these, yeah, you'd think these people know who we are. John, what are you doing back on our podcast? Uh, it was lonely, and you guys had candy in the van, and I decided okay, to Okay, you're right. Damn it, son of a... We suckered him on here. That That's true. Uh, but I brought Brett back as well. So, Brett, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, well, it's kind of good to put the band back together. I know Chris is busy, so that's all right. He's got to get things ready before he can go on his, quote, vacation, as much as someone can have a vacation in the uh, pandemic. Uh, but we thought we'd all get back on tonight. We talk about a couple upcoming Warlord things, and I'll kind of push that to the end, because who are those Warlord guys? I don't care about them. Uh, but more importantly, we'd talk about John Russell setting the standard. And, you know, I it, it hurts me. It, it hurts me to give kudos to a retired Air Force guy. I mean, to say, John, you, you set the gold standard. You did something no one else could do. You had a convention in the middle of the pandemic. Well, thank you very much for that, Doug. I really appreciate that. We, I, It wasn't just me. I had a hell of a crew. You saw them in action. Uh, a lot of my Raiders were there and a lot of my guys. We had a lot of volunteers and the staff at the hotel. Even they, they were on a shoestring. But we really... I, I, I didn't realize how tense and wrapped up I was and nervous until like Monday and I just uh, just laid around and watched movies all day because I was like man why am I so tired and exhausted That's yeah, I don't know the last just, three months yeah you just planned and ran a pandemic convention and got people to stress out and people to troll you and yell and say angry things on social media yeah, but yeah. you know what you pulled it off yeah. yeah and we had people come from Wyoming we had people come from uh, North Carolina we had people come from uh, Texas Missouri Louisiana uh, Nebraska uh, and then, of course, <laughs> you guys from Alabama and, and, uh, and yeah, everybody exactly. flew in Ohio. I mean, it was, you know, it, was it the attendance we had last year? No, it wasn't. Not at all. But we had over 100 people, uh, including, you know, vendors and stuff. All the vendors, we said, look, we understand. First of all, thanks for coming. We really appreciate you being here. We, there is no booth fee until you make money or you're happy. And uh, we're happy. And I'm glad to say or happy to say that uh, every single one of them gave us money or bought something from us. And every single one of them said, we'll be back next year. So that was phenomenal. And, and uh, a couple of folks came up and said, hey, we're glad you had the balls to do this. I'm like, look, no, you got to follow the procedures. You got to do yeah, exactly what you got to do. And you know, we, we had a, a, a hidden agenda. One of the one of my Raiders is a retired uh, VA doctor, a medical doctor. So he was behind the scenes checking on some things. You know, we hit everybody's temperature coming in every day. Uh, we, everybody signed waivers. Everybody did the uh, you know six foot rule as much as possible. We even had it was amazing. It, even when you think you got everything tight down, you've gone through the the, the drills. Right the, the day of, and you saw us do it. The day of the convention, Michael's wife uh, Michelle said, "Hey, why don't you rotate every other table ninety degrees?" And we're like, "What? 
well, that way you won't bump, yeah, bump yeah. butts. I'm like, well, son of a bitch, that's right. So then we rotated all I, the... I laughed that, that we hadn't thought of that. And it was one of those yeah. things, as soon as you started doing it, I'm like, son of a... Why did I not think of that? Yeah. Exactly. So it, was, it worked out great. Yeah, yeah. and we had, we had maximum spacing. We had... Uh, 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 the only well, time, well, actually, nobody nobody crowded my Blood Red Skies game because when we weren't playing, I kind of walked around and coughed as I was talking around the table and everything, mm-hmm. and, and no one wanted to come over by the Blood Red Skies table. It, it worked out well. Perfect. Yeah, yeah it was well, well done. I mean, yours was the biggest draw, but you know, with Midway and and Big Red Skies and and then Airstrike and all the stuff you were going on, and then. Uh, the bolt action tournament. We had twenty four people. Uh, kudos yeah, go out I to was, Colton. I was really happy to see how that went down. Looked like mm-hmm. they had a good time. Yeah, Colton uh, Swanson, uh, Brian Swanson's son, won with his fins. That was twenty four men, three rounds. That was good. And then we, the other big draw, of course, was the the famous Mike Gomez and his Circus Maximus. Yes, that forty year old game was played in twenty eight millimeter. And oh my god, yeah, that, what fun! That cracked me up. I mean, you <laughs> you want to talk about a bunch of dudes and and. Guys and girls all around table betting against each other, conniving oh. against each other. Oh, it was funny, and I, and I kind of I hated that we kept playing some late night Blood Red Skies games because yeah. I wanted to go over there and watch yeah. that yeah. last game that went down. Yeah, well, Tony made thirty bucks off that game because uh, yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, yeah, somebody put down twenty bucks on him to get killed, and nobody assassinated him, and then he ended up being the last guy survived, so we got another ten bucks. We ended up making like thirty yeah, bucks. It's, of that it's game. like a good night at the O Club, you know, yeah, play exactly. dice enough, and you're gonna you're gonna make yeah. money. Yeah, uh, you guys didn't do that in the army, did you, Brett? No, we did nothing like that. That never happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, never exactly. Happened. There were there were no shenanigans at the no. uh, at the officers' club. Well, and and the staff was great. Uh, everybody cleaned up. You know, we were out of there by three o'clock, and everybody came back to the house for the after party. Uh, ham and ham and. Uh, yeah, other Tears. than the problem of you you letting us try to figure out how to use that freight elevator that you oh, were talking God. about, monkeys in a football. Yeah, uh, that was us something. Us trying to figure out how to use that. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that, but, that, is, uh, uh, that is the Achilles heel of that place. There's only that one, one uh, uh, elevator than the freight elevator. It's, that's the only hard part about getting Yeah, but no, it, I, I thought it worked great. And, and your team were super welcoming to me. Because, I mean, I knew I was not a warlord guy and I didn't want to be a warlord guy. You know, mm-hmm. we... We on the podcast take pretty seriously our our independence and our uh, ability to both say, "Hey, Warlord, that's awesome," and "Hey, Warlord, that's the dumbest idea ever." Um, but but your whole team welcomed me up there, made sure I was set up, uh, always came over to see if there was stuff that they needed to help with, and and I hate to say it, Brett, you know, I, I thought you put out the spread at Coastal Con. <laughs> you have nothing on John Russell. Nothing. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing on the number of aircraft that he can put out there. Now, a nice collection. It is. Now, I say he cheated. He blatantly cheated. Yes, His raiders have been commissioned to do some of these pieces for, for every once in a while when he's like, hey, we're going to do a big, you know, uh, or harbor or whatever. That was, yeah, Jeff, exactly. that, that was Jeff Fortella's idea last year at Michigan GT. We did the, that's where uh, Rick came in. Yeah. Not Rick, yeah. yeah. He came down and I, you know, ended up not knowing who he was for an hour until I finally so, figured it. So, you know, the funny thing is I laugh because I keep unboxing miniatures and, and it, they're like the, the bottomless chest of miniatures. I, <laughs> I keep I keep taking out another layer. I'm like, holy crap, there's, there's more Wildcats down here. There, there's more zeros. When does this box end? Which was kind of a pain in the ass on, on packout day. I think I know what I'm buying you for Christmas, which yeah. is, you know, some just lasered freaking foam well, for I, all your I miniatures. Did, <laughs> I did go to... I did go to a, a, Costco and get a couple of carrying cases and some. I had some foam laying around, so I've tried to rebox some of it. But yeah, six squadrons of of Wildcats and four or five squadrons of Corsairs. Then I don't know how many zeros, but I mean it's just. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> there, there got to be a point where I stopped putting them out, and I'll be quite honest. I I'd laid out about I think four squadrons of each, and I just laughed because. 
there were still more aircraft to lay out. And I had, you know, two squadrons of each kind of bomber and all this stuff. And I'm like, damn it, John. <laughs> this well, is actually had, too many miniatures. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then we had Chloe bring in those three B-17s and they, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was such a, and they missed. I mean, it, it was just so funny. The whole, that, that whole scenario, they got there and then and, and they, they made the bomb run and they missed the carrier with 12 dice. Yeah, which which was one of those things that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we played it. I'm glad we, we talked through and convinced ourselves that level bombing was the scenario we wanted to run. Um, but true to form, and as Brent will tell you, he's he's been there in the Malta scenarios. You roll all your dice and you go, and that was a lot of work for nothing. <laughs> well, on the flip side of that, I mean... I get now where, where your pushback a little bit is on Big Red Sky. So that's the first time I've really fully played a, a, a scenario like that. And it is beautiful to the eye. It's wonderful eye candy. But it is very um, uh, deceiving, like you said. The, the, oh, yeah. Uh, you're, yeah. You're not nine inches away. Well, I'm, no, you go to the post. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm out of range. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit because I think that's one of the the toughest things to get used to for, quote, Big Red Skies, is that the the eyeball calibration doesn't work because your models are three times bigger, at least. Uh, and so all of a sudden, uh, what you think is a close fight isn't a close fight, at least per the rules. And, and we'll talk through that here in a bit. Um, but but I enjoyed getting to play that, getting to play some uh, a lot of Blood Red Skies. Unfortunately, I, I told myself I was going to get either a bolt action round or Gates of Antares in, and I only got a quick demo game of Gates of Antares, um, which is probably good because otherwise I would have walked over to your booth and bought a lot of Gates of Antares miniatures. <laughs> Scott, is, Scott puts on a hell of a spread when he does those, and he got uh, best of uh, painting show. Uh, we got one of the Jeff Lawrence always has an uh, internal uh, awards program. He has best of show, uh, best. Uh, table for uh, scenery and best paint. Uh, uh, Scott Wise got best to show because his that bolt action table he does every year he improves it and he did trees and did all the rooftops this time. It was freaking amazing. Brett, I'm glad you didn't see it because otherwise you would have gone over and bought every bolt action thing that John had uh, over there. It was it was one of those immerse yourself in the game and you're going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy all these miniatures. And then you realize, actually, it's all the terrain that's on this table that makes it so cool. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah, he did. He comes back every year and it gets better and better. And then uh, Will Greenslade won uh, best scenery. He had a he had a beautiful SPQR slash Mortal Gods table, all set in the ancient Greek kind of thing, with some uh, brilliant, brilliant, uh, brilliantly done temples and uh, orchard and really nice stuff. And then Scott Hendrickson's the guy who probably did the Gates of Tories with. He comes up from yep, Texas, yep. and that guy. He did. He does. He does a history lesson. You know, walk through history, and he does. He had six different tables going from you know. Uh, Black Seas all the way up to Gates of Antares, so you can play each each game differently, and it's quick and fast, and and they're well painted. I mean, they're, he's he's a yeah, good guy. Absolutely, out of the and, and and he walks you through, so you don't feel like you're playing a slow demo game. He really walks you through, and 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 will concentrate on what you need to know and what you don't need to know. Uh, and for me, with with Gates of Antares, it was nice because I understood the the basic mechanics. I'd had the demo rule book for a long time, but but he'll concentrate and and make it to where you. You really get the feeling of pushing the miniatures around and going, okay, this seems fun. This is something I'm either interested in or, hey, wait a minute, there's a, there's a lot of decisions and dice rolling in here that I don't really care for. Um, so I, I thought it was good. And he was he was really great to have the table next door to because we sat there and BSed a lot of times when uh, in the lulls between playing our rounds. When you, when you speak about between lulls and stuff and the stuff that just happens at conventions, and you can't make this shit up. Um, it's happened to me several times last year, and, 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 this, and, it, and it happened uh, – 
during uh, our uh, Twisted Lords Con, um, there's always something that comes up unexpected, and you don't expect. Um, this guy comes up to me, and he starts talking to me, and he kind of looks familiar. I don't know if I told you about this, but nope. uh, uh, he goes, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I'm the one that when you left uh, Shepherd and went to Germany, I bought your daughter's crib off of you. I'm like, what? And I look, I point, I go, and well, that's the daughter there. She's now 21. He's like, oh my God. It was Doug Dyson. I've known this guy for, you know, we used to outrider together out of Texas. And I'm like, holy shit, Doug, it's you. And, and we just ended up catching up and, and uh, he's got a huge, massive Black Seas fleet and he's doing a bunch of stuff. And he was just, I mean, out of the blue, here's a guy. Yeah, I bought your daughter's high chair from you. It was it was a high chair, not the crib, but a high chair. He bought this high chair off of us, and then he ended up giving it, his daughter ended up giving it away to somebody. So it was just one of those things, in, in military, of course, but uh, my wife just, I, I told Patty, she goes, you got to be shitting me. No, no, that was Doug. Yeah. It's oh. <laughs> too funny. Yeah. So that kind of stuff always happens. And, and we saw the usual crowd. There was the usual, uh, you know, Fred and, and Lois, uh, and that was good to see them, and and Brian and, and, and uh, Brian Swanson and his crew, and then Brian Cook, and there's regulars in the circuit, and it was good to see everybody again, just to, just to say hi, you know? And, and Mike hey John, Schelzer, tell me about these tables again. So you you were talk, you guys did like a best in show and that kind of thing? Yeah, uh, Jeff Lawrence will always have an internal uh, a competition that people either can vote on, uh, member, you know, people, uh, attendees can vote on, there's ballots, but we just didn't get it printed in time, so what we did is we pulled all the staff together, so okay, look, we've got and he paints up these 54 millimeter miniatures that are really nice. I'm pretty sure Doug saw them. And uh, 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 one was for overall best of show. You know, just the eye catcher. Oh, my God, i got to play this game because look at this terrain. And then there's uh, best uh, scenery and then best painted miniatures. And so Are they like demo tables? That, uh, yeah, are it on could display? be demo tables or it could be uh, like Mike Gomez does... That big, huge, uh, twelve foot by four foot uh, circus Maximus, and all the miniatures are painted. Now the board is is all wood and stuff, and he's always there. But it, we try to give those. There's always that guy that goes an extra mile, like Scott Wise did. He said, "Yeah, I didn't like the trees, so I did all the trees again, and then I redid all the roofs into this terracotta stuff." I'm like, "Holy shit! Wow, those roofs were just nuts." Um, and I think Doug's got a picture of it. I'm sitting at the table eating my. Uh, canes and behind me is the table that we're talking about and you can, yeah, if you zoom yeah. in you can see it it is just phenomenal well i've been thinking about for a while doing a a blood red skies darama of some kind maybe at one to two hundred scale or maybe even doing some kind of force perspective thing with maybe airfix models and the uh, warlord games model somehow i don't know anyway I, maybe i'll put my head together with uh, trevor and see if he's interested in maybe collaborating on something like that but maybe a the next con or a con upcoming would be a good venue for showing something like that off if we do something that might be fun well sure gathering eagles just around the corner yeah i might need more time <laughs> yeah i was about to say good luck with that in the 30 days we have <laughs> oh my god it's only 30 days it's only Fantastic. 30 days but but here's here's the thing so let's let's talk about some of the the ugly since we've talked about the good and since we pretty much fluffed each other for the last uh, 15 minutes about how wonderful we are uh you're always gonna get haters right john 
Yeah, there was a few. Yeah. We, so, uh, so we don't have to go into to deep specifics here, but you know, what are what are some of the things that you heard the negative side as you were getting ready for this con? As you're trying to take all the precautions, make sure the right people are there, hand sanitizers there, you know, masks are there. What were people saying and doing? Well, and I gotta say thanks to the hand sanitizers. That was when you. When Libra Soup put those in the bags, that was just phenomenal. It was good stuff. Hey, I'm just glad it came from China, not from Mexico, as the the list of banned hand sanitizer grows. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Um, It's uh, a lot of, let's just say numbers. Let's say we had 10 people bitching and moaning, and and some of them were legitimate. I get it, and and I understand. But all of them weren't attendees, not not a one of them. And maybe maybe 50% or 60% didn't read our precautions so, so there was a handful that we had in uh, a, a nice uh, discourse and social discourse with and and uh, uh, sometimes it was well I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree but um, some came around and, and some said well, okay well, we'll see and and that's another reason why Tony took everybody's phone number down and uh, or an email address and then on Sunday he'll contact everybody who was there to get a follow-up to see if there's anybody that contracted or or you know doesn't feel well and so far we're what four days away from that and yep. we haven't heard yep. nothing it's been crickets so we're, we're kind of crossing our fingers and I hope I don't jinx it but uh, th- there was a few haters out there most of them uh, uh, didn't care to you know it's all about that 30 second soundbite they didn't do their, their their research or they and when, when we try to talk to <laughs> well, them well, I, I feel bad because I really intended to open the podcast and, and be channeling my inner Greta and say how Dare you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have exactly. this convention in the middle of pandemic season. Um, that was, yeah, but, it was already covered, Brett. Uh, Doug, so many already people did that, so it's okay. Yeah, they, they already did it, so I, so I'd have to do it. No, so I think that's something that that organizers need to think about is that this this is the era of social media, and people are going to give their negative opinions. And more importantly, I guess what I'd say as a fellow event organizer, you. You have to understand people's perspectives are always valid for them. Yes. You, you, their, their perspective isn't wrong. You j- they just may not have necessarily read your precautions or they may not agree that your precautions are enough, but it's still their perspective. And if they say, we don't think it's safe, then you go, that's fine. I, I agree. And I appreciate that you think it's not safe. Everybody else here seems to agree that we are mitigating the risk as best we can. And and we know you can't remove the risk. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to get political here. But while people who know me and follow me on Facebook know what an ardent supporter of masks I am and social distancing, I also understand risk management and the fact that as a former aviation safety officer, I know oh, God, we yeah. can't we can't remove the risk. That's you know, right. anyway, no fly. matter how well you, you fly. Yeah, at some point you don't fly. You put all the airplanes in a hangar. Mm-hmm. At some point we'd all sit in our houses and we'd never go out. We there's there has to be some balance there. And and you know not to keep fluffing you and telling you how wonderful you are, but I think I think you guys did a good job balancing that and. And putting in the risk mitigations, taking people's temperatures, making sure we had hand sanitizer, making sure you kind of were, you didn't have to be jerks about masks, but you're saying, hey, guys, put your damn masks on, you know, make sure you're masked up. Um, and, and a little bit of peer pressure goes a long way, in my opinion. Yeah, nobody left. We didn't ask anybody to leave. Everybody was was on their good behavior. I mean, the truth is like a big old diamond. You know, there's a lot of facets, depending upon where you look oh, yeah. into it, where you see it. And and it well, was just- when some some jerk like me posts a photo of you not wearing a mask because you're eating your fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm like, sorry about that. Worst was, worst friend ever. Yeah, it's it's okay. It was just I, 
would you? That just proves when you think things are harmless, somebody's going to take a different angle, you know. And it's just uh, they will. Lorenzo they did will. it, yeah. And, and uh, Lorenzo and Max and, and Marcus, the guys back at the customer service, took some flack for us, but they they were all gentlemen. They all answered the questions. They all referred some of them to me. We took care of a lot of things. And at the end of the day, I hope everybody had a good time. Now, did we solve everything? No. We, there is no way that that what we did would work for Adepticon or for Gen Con or for Certainly you know, Nova. Think of the numbers. You you would have needed an entire city block to have yeah. the you yeah. know, the size of Adepticon socially yeah. distanced. Yeah, we were very fortunate to have the size of room that we did. The staff at, at the Sheridan and the Reed Center were phenomenal. Stephanie and, and uh, Gene. Gene is always working his ass off there. And he, I just I always really enjoy seeing Gene. And then Christopher was a guy at night. And then Trent up at the uh, up at the front desk was taking care of us as well. They're a good crew, but they were a skeleton crew, and they were they were doing more with less, like everybody does. And you know, us military guys have been doing forever. But uh, it, it was it a perfect world? No. Did everybody wear their masks correctly? No. But but they they tried, you know. And everybody had a mask. Everybody who didn't bring a mask got a mask given to them. So uh, it, it 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 worked to the best we could. Uh, Maybe a, a con of 100 or 200. It was sad to hear that Millennium Con is going to be canceled this year because they're about 352 people, but they have 352 people in half the size area that we do. Right. Yeah, there's, there's just no way you can you can make that happen, unfortunately. And, and you know, the, the thing that I saw there that, that I think I, I try to remind people the perspective of is – is there's risk mitigation, just like when you go to the grocery store. You're not six feet away from everybody every time you're in the grocery store, but you have to minimize your contact. And I, I chuckled that uh, your staff doctor, every time we'd be saying they're smoking and joking and I'd step like a foot closer to him, I'd notice he'd step a foot away. <laughs> so okay. kudos yeah. to him. He was the uh, the exactly six foot social distancing guy. But I love but, that guy. You know, I think, I think everybody really gave it an honest level effort and it is tough. I'm not going to minimize it. Uh, the fact is, I think my ears were chafed after three days of wearing a mask 10 plus hours a day. Um, it's not fun, but a little bit of discipline goes a long way. And it allowed us to have an event where people were able to play across a physical table and, and not be doing things virtually and for us to mitigate the risk as best we could. Well, I think, and the people came out to, uh, to, to buy too. Every single one of the vendors we're very happy, very satisfied. I think every customer dropped 50, 60 bucks at every booth. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, nobody went away vendor-wise unhappy, as far as I know and as far as my staff knows. Right, right. Well, and, and that's the thing that I'll say to people thinking about gathering of eagles is why we won't have the, uh, the vendor spread you did. Um, Unipolar is going to be there, and they're going to have all their gear with them, and obviously they're supporting us with T-shirts and cool swag like that that you can pick up. Uh, you're going to be there, so there's an opportunity to buy Warlord gear and a lot of other stuff. Um, so there's there's a there's an un, I think there needs to be an understanding that we're not going to have necessarily another Adepticon this year, but we're going to have events that can scratch the itch, and there are events where you can say, you know what, I can go play a new game, I can play Antares, I can go pick up an Antares starter box, I can I can do the things I would do at a convention, I just can't do it with fifteen hundred people. Agreed, agreed. And, and like I mentioned, I think, to you and some other folks, after Gathering of Eagles, and if Autumn Wars does go off up in Wisconsin in uh, October, that's six events I've gone to this year compared to 30-plus last year. So 
it, it's it's been a unique year, that's for sure. Well, it's it's been a tough year for vendors, for organizers, uh, for game stores. You know, I'm glad that when we did the HMGS roundtable, we had a long discussion about running a game store and, and getting a lot of perspectives in there, um, because I think there's there's a lot of people that have had a rough year in the gaming community. But I'll also be honest, I'm, I'm really pleased with how I think in most cases the community has stepped up. Now, there have been some super negative things, whether it be from Adepticant, CancelCon, name changes, people, people taking offense as, as people start spitballing. Um, what can we do in the future? And oh, by the way, we have to pay the bills, so how do we charge money for it? Um, I, I think there's been a lot of negativity on social media, but the fact is... We as a as a gaming community need to figure out how to game safely and how to keep the people that supply us with our crack, <laughs> with our plastic and resin crack, how to keep them in business because I got to make money. Yeah, and, and that, that yeah that was the other cool thing about that weekend was you know Mitch and his crew and and uh, Troy and the guys did that uh, round robin. We had we had a lot of people in and out of the initial event, and I'm sure it's been rewatched and retweeted and resent out and 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 forwarded and. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and we got that question about how to do a store was that was a thirty minute rabbit hole, and but you had all yeah, the yeah. all the people from Warlord that could answer questions right there. Troy was getting, I think, a little uh, I don't know if he was or not, but I think he was getting a little bit frustrated with me because he'd give me questions and I'd kick him off to other people because yeah, I can say my opinion, but when you have the man right there in the room, ask him. You know, Alessio was there. I mean, oh my goodness, that was so much fun talking to him. Oh, well, well, and that's the beauty of that kind of an event. So for the listeners, if you have not gone out and gone to view the HMGS Cyber Wars uh, videos on YouTube, go look them up because they cover a lot of different areas. Um, I will selfishly say I'm the funniest guy on the Warlord video. Yes, you are. Uh, but, <laughs> but besides that, uh, there's a lot of great information, a lot of game designers out there, a lot of game theorists talking about uh, different things in, in a couple of the different uh, uh, roundtables. And I just felt bad that it was the same weekend because I really wanted to devote some time to watching the other HMGS events, but I had traveled to do some demo games to, to build the Blood Red Skies community and to, to figure out, you know, how to drive around Oklahoma City because I only got lost like seven times in three days. <laughs> well, the- and also, uh, Matt, uh, the Fighting Kentucky had a big thing out there in North Carolina. He had a 24-man a bolt, act, bolt action event going on as well because some people couldn't right, travel. So right. that was the beauty of that all going on at the same time. And that that round table that we did with uh, Lesio and Steve and Charlie and Billy and and uh, um, oh god, I, I see his face and I forgot it. Uh, Carl, um, it was good. And that's another reason why Lesio has always got that good idea. Of what what is an Aretta and what is an FAQ? And, and I really wanted to get that on record of how he thinks things. So now maybe people can put in their questions. Oh, Alessio thinks Eretta is this. And maybe a fact is this. So he can get that fixed. And it, it was very enjoyable. Mitch and everybody did a great job, I thought. Yeah, yeah, they, they absolutely did. Uh, and so I was I was happy to be a part of it. I mean, I didn't get to speak as much as I thought I would, but that's all right. <laughs> Nobody well, needs to hear me it went flap, from, flap it went my from, gums. It went from two of us to six of us in, yeah. in, in four days. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, that, great. I'll sit back. That, that, that quickly became, I'm not going to talk about Blood Red Skies at all. But I did. I got to, got to kind of, you know, 
talk about the podcast and some other things. So I was, I was oh, you put, yeah, you pushed Gathering Eagles too. That was good. And then, yeah. and, and, and more back, importantly, I I got to create an entire stir around making fun of Mitch. So yes. I, I I make fun of Mitch Reed in the opening thing, and then apparently everybody in No Dice No Glory started emailing him and said, "What's up with you and Doug? Do you and Doug hate each other?" And Mitch is like, "No, Doug's just a smartass. He's just trying That's to right. be funny, yeah. you know." So so apparently I I caused some hate and discontent between No Dice No Glory and Lead Pursuit. So well and oh well. well and the other flip thing was, you know, Alessio was talking and we were talking about how great Blood Red Skies is at this time. And we have a, a medium, you know, tabletop simulator that we can still play it and test things. And he's and and then Alessio starts saying, well, is there something for like for both actually? We said, well, hell yeah. I think it was Mitch or somebody said, yeah, those guys yeah. over at Staff Food. And I was so, I was surprised that that Alessio had never seen that because oh, it was so, funny to me because because <laughs> I'm used to seeing him like, oh. Damn it! It's the freaking bolt action guys again. They got a ton of freaking cool tables. Yep, yep. You know. Well, now, now all the snafu guys are like, "Holy shit! It's Lesio. We're gonna play with yeah. Lesio." So now they're all like <laughs> fanboying, and they're just like, "What do we do, John? Play bolt action with Alessio. Just tell those to- fanboys, <laughs> yeah, to shut up and just play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was talking to them. Uh, I was talking to them today about gathering of eagles. I don't think they'll be able to make it, but uh, it was one of those things. I wanted to make sure that you know, across the the warlord game spectrum, we had. Uh, invited everybody who who at least might want to touch Blood Red Skies, either via bolt action, cruel seas, uh, whatever. That that I gave them an opportunity to show up and play their game because here's the reality for for Gathering of Eagles. Sure, it's it's Blood Red Skies centric, and it's and beyond that, it's a little bit of aerial game centric because we're probably going to play some Dan Version games. Oh my God, mentioned another game company. Um, oh. we're, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to do some of their things, but the fact is, we're also going to have a BattleTech table. And we're also going to have a Horus Heresy table because the guys from Battle Barn are coming out. So, you know what? Come out, play games, push miniatures around. Uh, I'd say drink beer, but I think that's going to have to be from a cooler because I don't think Indianapolis bars are going to be open. But whatever, we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, when we started Twisted Lords, uh, it, it, it was a, maybe we'll, if you don't mind, I'll digress a little bit. Twisted Lords is a combination of two conventions that happened in Oklahoma for, for a while. It was Warlord GamesCon WGC that me and Tony started eight years ago, right? Uh, seven right. years ago, and it was just first two three years. I think we started the hotel you stayed at. Uh, it was uh, just Warlord Games, and then Twister Twister TwisterCon was something that Jeff Lawrence had done in, in March, right before Adepticon. So we'd hit Twisted TwisterCon, then we'd go to Adepticon, come back here, and then we'd do ours in May. Well, Jeff had to go out and moved out to. New Mexico, and, and last year my daughter was graduating high school that same weekend, so we couldn't do uh, WGC at the same weekend. So we said, Jeff, let's combine them. So last year was the first year we did Twisted Lords, but it was our seventh uh, convention. And then if you count Twisted Lords, it's Twister Con, it's like three or four more. So right. it's, it's not like we this is the first or second convention we did, but Jeff uh, Lawrence and Jeff Hunt and Tim. Uh, uh, Harwood, or the other side, you met Tim there, uh, the chosen man. Uh, Jeff couldn't make right. it. Right. Jeff Squared couldn't make it. Um, hernia operation or stuff that happened at the house. So uh, it, it, it's not our first rodeo, and we did well. Uh, there was always, but we always can improve. There's always warts, you know, and we got to take care of those. Yeah, I think uh, I think overall it was a lot of fun, and it uh, it worked out pretty well. Um, for for what could be expected during the pandemic. Would we have wanted more people? Sure, got it. But it also made it easy to move around and not have to share tables yeah. and, and make everything work. Well, and like you said, 
we had, you know, 30 days out, Jeff and Jeff and me and Tony and, and Tim all said, that's okay. Are we going to do it or not? And we all said, damn it, let's just do it. Let's just get it done. Even if 10 people show up, we're going to have our damn convention. Just like you said, okay, That sounds Eagles. familiar, right, yeah, Brett? <laughs> exactly. I don't give a rat's ass. We're going to do Gathering of Eagles. And, and you don't know, but you got to start somewhere. And, and that this, that's just it. You, you, and I think Gathering of Eagles is going to be phenomenal, even if it's that first core. We'll have a couple guys, you know, 10 years down the road. How is it the first Gathering of Eagles? You know, and, and there you go. You know, it's going to be fun. I'm looking well, forward yeah, to it. The cool thing is, so if, if anyone has seen the shirts that uh, the guys at Unipolar have designed for us, uh, sure, it's cool. Sure, it's got the Blood Red Skies logo. It's got Gathering of Eagles on it. But if you noticed up on the shoulder, what it has are basically the equivalent of hash marks. So each year, you'll have an iron-on transfer that you'll put on there. So we'll have one for GOE 2020. If we, as we expect probably in 2021, only do a single event, there'll be a GOE 2021. Sure, we'll put maybe month and year on there if we do multiple events a year. Um, but it'll be a cool way that at least on your Gathering of Eagles shirt, you can kind of, you know, look over somebody. Ooh, he's got a lot of hash marks. He must have been there since the beginning. <laughs> so, so you're following the Lufafa pattern. You don't put the yeah, date exactly. and time. Yeah. So uh, at least that way, we'll, we'll be able to figure out who all the old salts are, you know, uh, amongst the people out there. At the very least, we should have a really nice Malta table for yeah. GOE, right? <laughs> Which is what I keep laughing about. I'm like, because people were even talking about it today. They're like, yeah, we'd love to get some Malta cards and all this stuff. I'm like, well, show up to Gathering of Eagles because we know we're playing Malta again. Uh, we loved playing it down uh, down there at your house, Brett. So uh, we definitely want to break that out for everybody. I have a few more Luftwaffe planes to add to the collection, but it's a pretty... It's a pretty substantial collection just for that piece of it. And I guess Chris is bringing all his Italian stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. He's bringing all the Italian stuff, so I think we'll be good. I think uh, there may be a few acrylic markers and things i got to order, but I think we're pretty much set for most of it. Good, so I won't bring any of my stuff. It'll all be Brett's show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what I was going to say is that you've rolled that carrier out there. You, you can't not bring the carrier. The carrier will be there, I, I mean, promise. It's, it was one of those things that I, I laughed I knew what a cool centerpiece it would be. I knew what a cool draw it would be. But I was still surprised how many people walked up and like, I want to bomb the carrier. I want to yes, shoot torpedoes yes. in the carrier. Stop dead in their tracks and said, holy shit, what is that? <laughs> I'm saying they're like, I've got this Malta or this uh, this um, Midway Island terrain. Do, doesn't anyone want to bomb Midway? They're like, hell no, I want, to, I want to sink the carrier. I'm like, son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> we'll play another carrier mission. So uh, that, was, that was a heck of a lot of fun. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get my... Uh, cruisers and destroyers for Malta for targets since GHQ's all shuttered up in Minneapolis. Yeah, since the riots have put them out of business for uh, temporarily. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's one of the things we'll have, we'll probably be close with what we had previously uh, for Malta. Cause you know, plenty of different targets we can throw out there and maybe we'll let people bomb multiple merchantmen instead of uh, one cruiser or one destroyer out there. Um, so I think, I think it should still be pretty fun. I can bring that. I, I've got a 300 scale destroyer I can bring if you need it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's always a good target because it's always good to have something that's uh, that's pretty big that we can throw out there. But let's transition a little bit from talking about events to talking about the seven hundred pound gorilla in the room that Doug doesn't want to talk about. But all of bigger guys, bigger guys, bigger guys. You mean Stollard's Folly. And I'm sorry, John. I, I realize I'm burning a bridge with John Stollard and he'll never like the Lead Pursuit podcast. But until until he can beat me over the head with a huge number of sales of, of Big Red Skies things, I'm going to be a skeptic. But I, I, I got to say, I played it. I, and I had fun. 
it, it was fun to play. I'm not going to take anything away from the fact that it's it's still the same core Blood Red Skies, a couple tweaks to some rules here, things we've talked about in the ready room, you know, debates over deflection shooting, critical dodges, all that. Um, there's some cool tweaks to the rules. But the nice thing, at least for me, is it's still Blood Red Skies. It still plays fast. It's still fun. Um, John, you got a chance to, to go through a game there trying to uh, get your HE-111 slowly across the board. What did you think? Not try. I succeeded. Oh, shut the fuck up. No one cares. <laughs> well, and, and it, it was funny is, again, I don't know, but it seems to be a thing about Blood Red Skies or Big Red Skies. The dice taketh and the dice giveth away. It just Oh yeah, uh, they, they absolutely oh my do it. There's, there's a point for me as a as a gamer, I just have to smile and go, I I'm not gonna bitch. I'm not gonna be that gamer because I've been the guy who's had the hot dice and now I'm the guy with the cold dice. Well you know what you know when that H U eleven landed, that, that that gunner on that H U eleven got a couple medals because damn I yeah, just exactly. holy mackerel. I mean we had to give you four boom chits and that gunner gave you two. So it was yeah, and then exactly. Matt ended up giving you other two because he shot down Yes, shot everyone. Down the lone uh, Spitfire that we yeah, cut yeah, out. Of yeah, the yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie, the Iron Maiden Spitfire got shot down. Yep, so got shot Iron, down. Yeah, so, broke so, my heart. So Motorhead won the day. But uh, it was, I, I really enjoyed that. Visually, it, it, it is stunning. It, and it all... Oh, it is. And, yeah. and I cannot take anything away from it that when you put 172nd scale models on the table, it is a visually stunning game. And I think that is both a a great plus yet also a hindrance as we kind of alluded mm-hmm. to that now the scale isn't quite right. So you're just your eyeball calibration and Brett, you, you and I've talked about this, that you're used to looking at one, 200 scale miniatures and used to pushing those around. You go, okay, I know about where I need to turn. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I have a 172nd scale model. I'm only moving speed seven. I'm moving about a wingspan and a half, maybe <laughs> every turn. It's, it's a weird feeling. Wow. Hey, what, you know, this is not a rhetorical question, John, but is it is Big Red Skies intended to be its own standalone game or is it more of a promotional effort to help people who might stumble upon an Airfix model and the cards that are inside to try out the um, the, the movement mechanics and stuff of, of Blood Red Skies and go, hey, what's this Blood Red Skies thing? And maybe get into the, the traditional game or, or what? It, it, it is a gateway. Um, it, it harkens back to, uh, I don't know what you guys were doing uh you know when you're growing up in the 60s or 70s but you know there was always that that kid around it and john's got a, a fondness for Arafix and, and i not only did did the models but i did a lot of the the world war ii models you know the, the africa corps and the eighth army and of course all those and you'd buy a buy 72 of them for two bucks or 100 of them for two bucks oh yeah i, I still remember those <laughs> well john's got if you if you can get to his house he's got them in glass cases he's got the first couple ones that he's ever bought and he's he's got a real fondness for Arafix and Arafix was trying to uh i don't want to call it a gimmick i, I just another an additional selling feature that yeah you can build a model and they're they're beautiful kits i mean i was amazed at the amount of detail but the simplicity and the ease to put them together the only had problem i mean i did, I did three me109s two spitfires and one herc and the herc is what gave me the most difficult uh problems but uh, they're easy to put together and it's just an additional selling feature they're not going to raise the price on any of the kits they're just going to start putting in a little pamphlet that explains Big Red Skies and the data card now a lot of people are, are asking us so there's going to be additional new cards out there that no only the cards as far as I know at this time only the cards that are currently available for Big uh, for uh, Blood Red Skies 
will be in big reds, guys. There's not going to be any special uh, gotta buy it here, then transfer over and buy this kit. There's nothing like that. But it's just a, a nostalgic look back to building those 172nd scale kits. And I even pointed out <laughs> to Doug, and he'll get a chuckle out of this. One of the ME109s has got a fucked up canopy. Because everybody was seven years old building these damn things, fucked up a canopy. Yeah, so exactly. Told, so I, I mean, told, just put a fingerprint in the middle yeah. of our freaking plastic yeah. canopy. Yeah. So I exactly. said I, I intentionally messed up one just for John. I said, John, I, I did mess up one Emmy 109 canopy just for you. And it, it is, I didn't paint any of the interiors because you know why bother with with putting all that stuff in the cockpit? But my God, there was a lot of detail in there. That I just painted over the cockpit glass. But it, it, it's nothing. Um, it, they changed the rules a little bit, and hopefully, maybe those. Changes will come over to uh, Blood Ritz, guys. I like that double, the, the double dice, you know, the critical hit to do a deflection shot. And then right. if you do right. a, a double a critical hit, a critical dodge, you don't get a boom chip. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, it's And it, you don't have to play it if you don't want to. But if you build a model and you got the kit, why not? Well, I, th- I think one of the interesting questions people have asked is, you know, we're, we're so used to things being so prescripted and everything showing up as a boxed kit. You know, um, Matt, one of my buddies uh, from Alabama has asked, you know, hey, you know, do we modify the size of the board or the different size bases? You know, are they available for purchase separately? You know, really, Big Red Skies is is like where a lot of these games were years ago, where it's like, hey, man, how you want to base it's up to you. The fact is, we know what a standard base is. If you want to put it on a ball joint, if you want to put it just with a magnet like you had, which worked great, except for the damn hurricane. Nice work. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a freaking, freaking air scoop that underneath. Stupid air scoop screwing everything yeah. up. But, but you know, there's, there's a little bit of flexibility there. And I think that's good. Um, but people are so used to showing up in a world where everything is so prescribed. And, mm-hmm. and you know, this is how you have to do it. And, hey, man, just go buy a, a pack of six uh, Blood Red Skies bases, slap a magnet ring on the top, they and work. slap a magnet in your, yeah. in your model, and it works. Yeah, and, and it all went together. Now, there is talk that they might do a box set of two ME109s and two Spitfires, kind of like a, a look back to the Mega Alley kind of thing with the little pamphlet. So you'll have four Airfix kits in there. And I don't know the price point because we're talking 172nd scale airplanes, not, you know, 1-200 scale airplanes. So it's, it, 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 there is that. And the, the scale does throw you off a little bit. The stands work. We showed you the work. The, the feet, uh, you know, the, the little additional uh, snap-on that we have for our metal ones does tend to cause some, some contusions and, and uh when you get into that furball, I was glad that Michael did the ME, the HE 111 on a taller stand so we could fly underneath it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, that so, so that's kind of one of my points about where I, you know, I think maybe as long as you make sure your base stand is the is the right size because you you need to be able to determine stand to stand distances. But there's a point. Buy a third party stand that's taller because otherwise you have a lot of mid air collisions. <laughs> well, it might go back to the, the like the stands they use for um, check your six and telescope them. That might be yeah, the, yeah, the that might be the stands. solution. Yeah, that might be the solution to that. Just it doesn't mean anything. You're just moving it out of the way so you can put the stand the the, the aircraft in the same space. Well, let's be honest. You know, it's one of those things that maybe maybe Litco will do is where you have a square stand, kind of like a. Um, like a wings of glory stand, but it's got the circle of the diameter and your arcs painted on the bottom so that you know exactly what the arcs are and everything. And you don't have to worry about, um, 
you know, the stand being too big and everything else. But I, I think it was funny because we, we did get to that point that everybody knows how you get in an absolute midair in blood red skies as people are behind a bomber trying to shoot it down. Fighters are trying to defend it. And now we're in there with airplanes that are three times the size. And it was funny, I thought. <laughs> it was we're a all trying ball. to figure out how to fit it a ball was, in there. Yeah, it was definitely a furball. Oh, just push it, you know. And and, and that's what I think uh, people got to realize. And it, it was one of the hardest things for me to learn growing up. I was always a rigid ASL Air Force player. Well, the rule says this in state 2.4.4.7. You can't do that. But it's a damn game. So go ahead and fudge the movement a little bit. And, and I wish I would have known that 20 years ago. I probably would have been a better board yeah. gamer. And, yeah, would but, have been a happier gamer. And, yes. and you know, my, my pitch is maybe you double the movement rates because it the, the game is going to be short anyway. And especially like for us playing uh, a, a bomber attack kind of mission, even on a four by four board, the bomber's not going to make it across in anything less than 12 turns. So oh God, no. it was putting the lot. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and double the distances and everything's fine. And, and it gives you a little bit more maneuvering room, a little bit more room to have a, a larger model. But like everything else, like Andy always says, no one's going to show up and steal your models. Uh, this is the same kind of thing. Play play big red skies the way you want to and, and how it, it fits. Well, in fact, in fact, let's. Do, I'm sorry, Brett. Let, let's do that at Gathering of Eagles. I'll bring yeah, I'm, let's let's try it. Let's let's just double the movement and see if that gives us the breathing room we need. Does uh, Airfix have gladiators and swordfish? You can shut the fuck up now. We're not talking about those. <laughs> I, I laugh and I'm like, yeah, they do, but no, ain't nobody got any official cards for them, so you can just go shove that. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Lead Pursuit will not package any cards in a gladiator. <laughs> I can promise that. Uh, well, no. So so there, that does bring up a good point because um, uh, Phil asked the question about, hey, you know, are we going to be able to buy cards separately? And, and I think we really have to emphasize that there shouldn't be, at least at this point per what we know, any new cards. You may see expansion deck cards that are actually put into models because, oh, by the way, there's actually a 109K model out there from uh, Airfix. Uh, you know, you're, and you can use your standard Blood Red Skies cards with any 172nd scale model. Because right now, like we said, we haven't doubled the, we haven't changed the distance. Almost all of it is the same as regular Blood Red Skies. Um, nothing prevents you from today going out and taking your Blood Red Skies boxed kit and putting 172nd scale models with it, right, John? You are correct. You are correct. That is exactly it. And and there is nothing, as far as I know, on the schedule to change that. So any of your cards or uh, will we ever do a pack of just playing cards? Uh, tough to say. Uh, we're trying to catch up from, from COVID. And we did that once with bolt-action vehicles. We did an Allied pack and an Axis pack. And we did it for a while. And then once they sold out, they were gone. And we still put the cards out with some of our kits. So I don't know if there is ever a deck on the horizon. But there is a master list that you guys at Lead Pursuit just put out and, and did yep, a great job yep. of sorting it. And thank you for that. That was phenomenal. And uh, uh, I, that's something there, you know. You go, you go on the, you know, the ready room on uh, Facebook, and those guys got those temp blank templates. Just fill them in and pump them out. I mean, that's if you had to. There's all yours. Absolutely. Well, and 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 here's the deal. I, I guess my recommendation to people is, if you want to try it, go out and and take whatever cards you have, whatever your favorite aircraft are, find the 172nd scale model for it, uh, and 
buy that and play that? Because, you know, they even people even ask the question, like, well, what about mixed squadrons? Mixed squadrons aren't allowed in Blood Red Skies. I'm like, I get it. You've, you've totally changed the scale of the game because now I'm only fielding three fighters per side. So... I really don't care if somebody fields one hurricane and two Spitfires as I did for that thing. It's we're having fun, we're having a good time. This is not, especially not a super competitive kind of live by the rules kind of uh, kind of game. It's go out, push some really big, really cool models around the table, um, but also be flexible enough to just have fun. Well, it harkens back to what black powder is. You know, for a long time, Napoleonics. If you got into Napoleonics, bless your heart. Oh, God, it was so rigid and so oh, so, so and, painful. In six hours, you'd do four turns. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Jervis Johnson and Rick Priestley and Alessio and John Stoller and Paul Sawyer and all those guys got together and sat down and said, look, we want to play Bolt. We want to play a Napoleonic game in four hours. What can we do? And, yeah, it's a little bit like uh, Warmaster because, well, Rick was there. But, I mean... It, it, yeah, but strange. It, I was about to say, yeah. Rick, Rick brought over Warmaster from yeah. what he remembered. Uh, and and uh, Jervis and Alessio all jumped in on there, and but it's a cracking game, and you can do a, a game of black powder in four hours or five hours, and you've played Napoleonics, and and you feel like you've accomplished something. Same thing. Uh, will there be t- tournaments for big red skies? No, I don't. I don't really think so. It'd be cool to watch, but we'd need a gymnasium probably to do it. So uh, it, it would. I don't think there's anything. Well, you know, and, and and that's the funny thing. I, I think the the size that we need to do it isn't dramatically larger unless you want it to be. And and this, man, this is really hits on, on, you know, the things I enjoy talking with Andy about is that while there's a view of what Andy believes the game system is, he also sits there and he goes, play how you want to play. If you want some goofy rule about, I need more critical successes than you have critical shots, et cetera, et cetera, you know, play that way, whatever, you know, just don't, don't think that it has to be the same way that everyone else plays, which is, which is tough with the large demand in the U S for competitive play. Um, because people want a level playing field. Whatever. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and, and it's hard for the, for us guys over here to just play the game. You know, it's, it's hard to let that go, and that's why we, you know, we Americans to... Americans suck at that. And, and exactly. I laughed watching the bolt action tournament, which oh, I really wow. was surprised that the bolt action tournament went as smoothly as it did. Yeah, because just competitive play has that propensity to go sideways, especially if people haven't been playing competitively for six months. Well, and that's... Know, people are going to get super amped about getting yeah. beat out on a table. Yeah, and and that, that that's you know kudos to the Blood Reds, to bolt action and the, and the guys. I'm. I did that other game with our same uh, uh, abbreviation, not, not WG, but the other way around. Yeah, exactly. I, I, did, I did work for them for a long time. And, and there was, you know, I don't think you could have an event without somebody bitching in the morning or throwing their armies around. And so, uh, I, I can count on one hand and have fingers left over after eight years now of the events and things I've been involved with that we've actually had problem players. And it's just, it, it well, goes And I was rules. surprised. I, I really was surprised because I shared, obviously, a lot of Blood Red Skies players in common with people playing the Bolt Action Tournament. And it was just funny how many people walked in and like, well, I just got tabled. Let's play some Blood Red Skies. And I'm like, dude, you just got your ass beat in a tournament and yeah. you're and like, yeah, whatever. No big deal. They're like, and it was it. even my buddy that tabled me that asshole, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and so it was, it was really funny that, that people were as nonchalant as they were about it, which I guess is good for me not being a bolt action player. It makes me say, okay, that might be a community I want to hang out around because they're not like the 
other community, 40K. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody's flipping tables in Bolt Action. I can exactly, that exactly. So hopefully they're a little bit more animated than the Dust 1947 crowd because Ooh. that crowd was so freaking quiet. I, I mean, Brett pretty much fit in with them, right, Brett? <laughs> Whatever, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I think the thing that might get me in Bolt Action is tanks. I'm like Chris. I, I, oh, the tanks I know. are awesome. If you and Chris would just shut up about tanks, I'm like, as long as they don't make this a tank thing, then I'm good. But as soon as they say, let's play tanks, I'm like, Fuck, I'm in. They already have. Well, we have Tank Warden. We're coming out with some new specials, and we did a really big deal with uh, uh, Trenchworks, and we're going to have much more stuff coming from Trenchworks. So there's going to be a lot of fun yeah, that's tanks. That's not good news for me. That's, that's <laughs> not good at all. Uh, well, awesome. So I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, we've been talking all, for almost an hour about, uh, you know, Twisted Lords, the convention, about Big Red Skies, uh, answering some questions there. Um, John, you know, as we're going forward for the for the second half of the year, trying to both, you know, safely do things and and really manage the the gaming scene. Uh, what do you see going on in the next uh, couple months, at least from your part of Warlord Games here in the U.S. as part of the demo team? What are where are you really focusing your efforts besides gathering of eagles? Well, gathering of eagles is first, of course. But uh, uh, August end of this month, we have our victory at seas finally to get out. It was just getting ready to kick out, and there was some. Demo kits, in fact, we had one at Twisted Lords that Matt Smith did a great job of uh, doing demos with. I just wish I could have painted more. I had other alligators close to the boat, and I just couldn't get as much detail on there as I wanted. But uh, that's kind of what our focus is now. We're finally getting back online, and that should be out in your stores by the 29th of August. And then sometimes we're beholden to our manufacturers. Sometimes we're beholden to our publishers and we're beholden to Osprey for some of our books. And we were, we're going to do D-Day next. Yeah. Yeah. So I forgot to bring that up. You yeah, were yeah. going to do D-Day. We, yeah, D-Day we were part all two. spooled up about D-Day and here I opened my Facebook and hey, where the Marianas. fuck did the Marianas come That's from? Right. Exactly. I, that literally is what I said. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Well, what happened was we thought that they had been flipped in the schedule, but then Osprey went ahead and pushed. And so, uh, That'll give us some time to get get the D-Day stuff really cool and the, the plastic sprues we're working on. Uh, we've got... Well, the good news is I have neither of them painted yeah, up and ready to go yeah. for Blood Red Skies. So, uh, so I'm equally screwed either way. It's, exactly. It's either invasion stripes or do all my Mariana stuff. So equal, I, equal opportunity. Yeah, I'm behind. Well, it'll, it'll nest into the Battle of Midway stuff, you know, when Blood Red Skies comes up in that book. Well, that is, that is the nice thing is at least I, I have some fairly common aircraft, slightly different paint jobs, but yeah. at least it can be uh, common. And, and Chris is obviously psyched to do a lot of the Mariana stuff. Yeah. So I think well, and that's, that's what's next. That's going to be out, I do believe, the uh, mid-September. Uh, and that'll be hitting that, that, that all. Are there going to be more miniatures with it? I saw oh, yeah. it was a campaign book. Oh, yeah. there. Yeah, okay. and there'll be bunkers and spider holes, and there'll be... Uh, nice. Yeah, that, that, uh, that was really what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah Marines and, and uh, dogs. And, and uh, in fact, the... Um, where's my notes? Uh, the special miniature that's going to come out with the box, with the, with the rule book, with the Marianas Island Hopping, for if we want to just, you know, kind of nest it all together. But it's a uh, Cappy. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know... Uh, the dog Cappy from some of the island hopping. No, stuff. actually, I don't know the story. It's it's a, it's a marine. Uh, he's a dog that was uh, the marines picked up and ended up being one of their best dogs ever. In fact, that's the dog that is in the statue in DC of for all uh, military dogs. Uh, he's the one oh, that nice. they modeled. Yeah, so he's the model of guys out there with Cappy. That's going to be the model that comes with that book, and that'll encompass everything that's uh, Marianas Palau. Um, there's a lot of in there, so we just call it the Island Hopping uh, Campaign um, for, for ease of use. Right. And then we've got 
so we've got Gathering of Eagles in September, then we've got uh, Autumn Wars up in Wisconsin in October. Uh, we're working with Mythicos. They may be opening another store, their second store out east, so that might be the week after uh, Blood Red Skies. I might go out to New Jersey and help them open that store. Uh, so they're doing really well. Ugh, New Jersey. Yeah, it's, it's the stores are phenomenal. Uh, Nelson and his crew, Liz, and, 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 the, and the bunch out there are doing a phenomenal job with, with Mythicos, and, and they've got something in the pipeline that's going to blow your socks off at the end of the year that's going to be amazing for air one but that's all i can say right now because i've signed paperwork and sworn allegiance so uh i can't t- I, me of all the guys that could talk i can't talk yeah, about I say you of the guy who always yeah. leaks things you can't yeah, talk i can't talk uh and then uh, uh blood red skies midway yep uh and then one of these days hopefully november december yeah yeah, yeah. around you know black friday uh and more stuff i there was a really good article you know there's a lot of questions out there about victory at sea and what it is and what it isn't and what's going on and how is it and can i use this and how about accidentalized and got it okay again let's go back to it's a game use whatever miniatures you want um but uh it's it's not the old mongoose game it's been it's been upgraded and uh if you get or can get a hold of i highly suggest you get a hold of the recent copy of war games illustrated there's a phenomenal article three four pages by the designers and stuff telling you exactly what it is and that, that rule book in the box set for Victory at Sea is a pamphlet it's 28 pages, that's not the complete rule book that's just the teaser there's going to be a two book set that comes out that's got all the details uh, they've got naval boffins that went down uh, all the repair yards for all these big ships kept meticulous notes of all nationalities so what they've done is is they've got a refit chart on the back of the cards and in these books that if you run the U.S. Chicago in 1942, it's going to be a lot different than the U.S. Chicago 1944. Because it wouldn't be a war game without useless chrome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally understand why they do that. It's actually kind of cool. So that way you know mm-hmm. what's been changed out, which yep. five-inch turrets are there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, even, or the even 20 the same, mils back, things well, like that. Well, even the same class, you know, the Missouri and the New Jersey were the, were not the same ship but the same class. Well, they didn't operate this. You know, the, the, the right. guns were right. different. Um, so they're calibrated in, all, in the different crews, of course, as well. So that's going on. We've got um, some, uh, we're filling out some black powder lines. You know, the Spanish are coming. The Prussian cavalry, finally. Everybody's screaming for that one. That's finally getting done. There's four different types of that. Early next year, we'll have uh, the Italian plastic sprue that we always promised. Uh, we're trying to get away from the two-part sprue. And what I mean that is some of our, the Russians in particular and some of the British ones, you have to have a weapon sprue in there. So we're trying to get to the right. one sprue, five guys, boom, yep. here you go. So that's what's going to happen with the Canadian Commonwealth sprue for D-Day Part 2. Uh, and uh, unless you kind of talked a little bit about that as well. And unless you also talked about uh, his board game, that's going to hit out uh, around Christmas time. And that's the one that takes Blood Red Skies and Cruel Seas and Bolt Action and puts it into one game and how to campaign that game and if you don't have time to play that game you play the board game and there'll be pieces yeah, I'm, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, optimistic about yeah. it it's you know I'll, I'll use a, an example that uh, much like when Battletech you know went from Battletech Citytech Aerotech then they added Battle Force which was the way uh, to kind of do battalion level actions there's there's always this difficulty when you step up a level or even two levels as it sounds like Alessio's game is um 
that that you hope there's a way to say, all right, I don't want to play this game. I want to optionally, you know, resolve it via dice roll, but then I want to keep going through the rest of the campaign. And here's a cool game that I want to play. And we'll see. You know, yeah. It, it'll be interesting. Yeah. We were at Christmas time, me and Brian were over uh, our my quarterly visit and we got a chance to see his crew playtesting that with <laughs> cardboard chits and stuff. It's always fun to see, you know, beginning, middle, and end some of this stuff. You know, Andy did uh, BFG, you know, Battlefleet Gothic, and he had these, how do you play a game when you don't have the models yet? So he, they, they mashed up some stuff there at Games Workshop and I ended up getting some of them after a while. And I still have them. Right oh, it's now. like so, playing Battlefleet Gothic today, where oh, you God, still yeah. don't have the models. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah. So it's the same thing. So here's these cardboard kind of. It's always neat to see that iteration, much like we've seen Blood Red Skies go from, you know, a, a game that Andy's nurtured and played with for so many years, and finally just let it go, and now it's become what it is. You know, Migali, and maybe now yeah. Vietnam, and all this other stuff. Oh, there's no Blood Vietnam Skies. stuff. No one's exactly. doing that. No one's working on yeah. that. So <laughs> and, and then tabletop simulator. It's just. It's amazing once you've let your baby out in the world what it grows up to be. And Andy's yeah. done a great yeah. job of giving Absolutely. us this child to take care of. Absolutely. Well, Brett, any uh, last-minute things from you? Any last-minute questions or spears to throw? No, I'm just happy to be here. I'm uh, steady working on that campaign thing. Hope to have something to you guys to, to look over. I know it gave it's John gorgeous, a gorgeous. It's the worst idea ever. <laughs> yeah, it's your idea, by the way. <laughs> yeah, always, damn it, don't blame me. It's not my the fault. The ultimate I rabbit I hole. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say expand it. Oh, wait, yes, I did. I did say make it more complex. Son D- of a- Doug's always accusing me of being the idea, idea fairy. But uh, after the first gathering, he, the Eagles, oh, dude, he I, was like, why don't you just type that up and, you know, make something that people can I'm use? I'm totally like, the good uh, idea fairy on that one, so I apologize. <laughs> yeah, the whole gaming community can blame me for that rabbit hole. Oh, but it's beautiful. And, and everybody's always want that extra level of detail. Again, if you want it, there it is. If you don't, you don't have to do it. But, oh, my God, yeah, you guys, and, that, that's a labor of love. And that's one of the things I have to... I have to explain to guys is just because people go to that level of detail, you don't have to, but at the same time, don't feel guilty. If you want more detail, if you want to add more Chrome, if you want to make your own house rules, do it. Cause it's your game. You paid the money. You own the miniatures. You can do what you want now. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere in almost every single one of the world's rules, whatever game you're playing somewhere in that first couple paragraphs, it says exactly that. Look, you bought the game. It's yours. Do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, it's always good to chat. I hate to have to cut this short because, well, John and Brett and I, we could probably talk for hours and make fun of each other. Hours. And talk about games. <laughs> but the the audience doesn't really care. They only want a short podcast. So thanks, guys. I appreciate you being on. Appreciate you taking the time. And I'd like to encourage our listeners to go out there into the ready room, ask questions. If you wonder where all these listener questions came from, oh, because, you know, we said, hey, we're going to talk to John Russell about Big Red Skies. And people asked us questions. We listen so, to you guys out there. Believe Come on. it or not, we listen. It's kind of weird. I, I don't know how that all works out. It's it's this whole media thing with social people. So, yeah, we, uh, wow. we answer questions on social media. Um, and if we didn't answer your question, it's not because it's a dumb question. It's because I'm a jerk and I didn't ask your question. So just send me an email and tell me what a jerk I am and make me ask the question again. <laughs> Watch out for that hate mail. Be careful. Yeah, exactly. Be careful. I'll, I'll be getting plenty of it. Thanks again, guys. Uh, look Thanks forward a lot to for inviting me. Everybody at Gathering Your Eagles. And then for those that can't make it out to actual GOE, uh, we'll have a component for a little bit of virtual GOE that same weekend for the 4th, 5th, and 6th in September. Uh, Indianapolis, if you can't figure out how to register, Go to the leadpursuit.net website. You'll see a big tab for Gathering of Eagles. Click on there. 
uh, click to register and then click to pay for your registration and you're in there. So. And the hotel rooms are on sale, so do it now before 25 exactly. August. <laughs> the hotel rooms, they drop the price again. Funny how this happens in a pandemic, so Woo-hoo! it's even cheaper. Let's go. Let's have fun. Y'all. Have fun, guys. Take care. Thanks again. We'll see you. See ya.